Hello there, and welcome to Thought Architecture. So we all know we should do more exercise, but damn if it isn't a giant suck. And few exercises are skipped more than cardio. And even then, the problem arises that it requires a lot of time, a lot of energy, and can easily dominate what little time we've already set aside for our bodies. So, you know, we've all seen those joggers and cyclists who seem to be able to go for hours, you know, but we don't have that much time to train. And those joggers and cyclists might not seem to be the healthiest people if you look at their muscle tone. So how do we strike a good balance between cardio, training, time, all of it? What's the best method of cardio to start? You know, so this episode is an inquiry into cardio, yes. But more than that, it's about a perspective shift and about finding harmony. So the big problem arises where, you know, in the world today, there's plenty of sources of information where we can look at how to do good cardio and what to do and, uh, you know, sets and rep schemes and times and wattage and all of that type of stuff. That's great. So where do we go? Where do we start? How do we exactly go about it without doing hours and hours and hours of research? And the main thing is also that it tends to be local. Whatever is just around us, we take advantage of that. But if we really want to get dialed in, you know, this is where this episode is less about cardio and more about your approach to something. Where if I try one method that's local to me, and all of a sudden I, I, I find it's too much or I can't use it or something like that, I will say, you know, perhaps to myself inside, I'm a little bit of a failure. I haven't done it. I haven't managed to really accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. And cardio is just not for me. And that would be a mistake. The learning curve that comes with it is this idea of iterations. And I want you to think about it more like trying on different articles of clothing and be like, hmm, I like this, it's a good fit, but it's not my style. Oh, I like this, this is my style, but it's not a good fit. You know, until you find the one that's just right. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears finding, oh, this one's too big, too small, just right. And so that's the approach that I took to solving my problems as well. So, you know, my personal reasons to get into cardio is that it's always been on my list because of all the positive stuff that you can see in the data from scientific studies about cardio. It really boosts brain power, brain longevity. It boosts all kinds of other health things. I don't need to go into it really. But one of the reasons was about longevity. You know, the idea of if you want to live healthy for a long time, cardio is one of those things that is definitely going to take you there. And then on top of that, just for my own personal preference, there's something called general physical preparedness, which is to say that are you physically ready to go and, you know, hike up a mountain, not a not a difficult one, but just, you know, with your friends on a trip or something like that, you know, you go and do something physical. Are you prepared physically to go and do things like that? Or have you become more of a house cat? And I like the idea of being physically prepared to run for a bus, to, you know, all of those types of things and not be phased by it. So cardio is definitely one of those things as well. Okay. So previously, um, the way that I've gone about cardio was, you know, timing myself on five kilometer runs, but then just not being able to recover, taking two days off training because my muscles were so sore, because I was so fatigued, etc. And then on top of that, you know, I wasn't really measuring anything. How would I know that I'm making progress? So this comes back to it again with this idea of like, if you go and you fail at something, what measurements are you looking at to say, I failed? 
So just because it took you a long time to recover, okay, fine. That's a good thing to look at and to examine and to say, huh, what am I looking at then to determine recovery? And how should I be modifying myself so that I can recover better, if that's my goal? So it started out with consuming some some very interesting uh, podcasts and um, TED Talks on cardio fitness. And so Dr. Peter Atia had his longevity research as well. There was a really good TED Talk that I watched on how Olympic athletes train, where they train 80% of the time at a very low heart rate threshold, right? Their anaerobic threshold. Um, and it was very, very interesting for me to, to hear about also Dr. Phil Maffetone. And Dr. Phil Maffetone is the one who um, gets people to train this aerobic fitness capacity. You know, how long um, can your body sustain effort without dipping into the anaerobic stuff, you know, and producing its own energy rather than using um, oxygen consumption for energy. So I won't bore you with all the details, but needless to say that I ran astray into the typical things that everybody else does, which is, you know, the standard wisdom of just grind it out, just keep going, just, uh, just do that thing. And this year, you know, 2022, one of my goals for the year was to introduce cardio into my life in some capacity. So I was looking to do it a couple of times a week, not just once a week. I was looking to see some benefits. I was looking to see some progress. And I've changed cardio training protocols, I think three times now. And the third one fits. And that's the whole point of this episode is the idea of trying what fits. So the first one I tried was just running 5k for time. And not pushing myself to to do better, but just pushing myself so that I become more comfortable, so that the heart rate goes down, things like that. And I was finding for three months that I could only do one of those a week, two at a push if I wasn't doing any other types of training. And that was a problem for me. Um, I just needed so much time to recover. And I noticed after three months, my heart rate wasn't really getting anywhere. You know, I was still gassing out. My heart rate was just skyrocketing the whole time. So I wasn't very happy with that. I then changed it over. Someone recommended I look up a, an endurance coach who actually coaches a lot of CrossFit athletes. His name is Chris Henshaw. And Chris Henshaw's stuff, I decided, okay, let me go to the bike. And his primary means of, I mean, there's, there's multiple ways that he talked about measuring it. But the one that I used was wattage and watching my heart rate compared to the wattage that I was able to produce. And I actually realized I actually even couldn't hit his, his initial stuff. My cardio was that bad that I wasn't even able to hit his initial things. Um, you know, do this measurement and you should be able to do this many minutes. And I could barely do half of that amount of time. And that was a big problem for me as well. It was very debilitating. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. I, you know, where do I start? Where do I start? So again, going back to Peter Atia's stuff, the TED Talk, Dr. Phil Maffetone, the solution presented itself a little bit differently. Most people that I know that train cardio don't train like this, where most, um, you know, Fitbits, Garmin's, all those types of things, the heart rate uh, trackers that you can get that are on the market, you know, before the 1970s, they didn't exist. The actual, the first heart rate monitor was invented in 1977 by Polar Electro um, for the Finnish national cross-country team, uh, ski team. And the idea is that they were able to see, you know, in 
in real time, no, but afterwards, oh, this worked well and this didn't. And collecting more and more of the data, you know, is where we came to. So I was looking at very similarly, huh, what am I measuring? Well, let me measure my heart rate. That's what all these people were talking about. So let me measure my heart rate. So I bought myself a Polar H10 strap. Um, there's a link below if you want to check it out. And the Polar H10 strap is used by um, this one guy on YouTube, the quantified scientist who is a postdoctoral um, you know, scientist who actually measures the efficacy of all of these smartwatches and all the other wearables that you get on the market. And the Polar H10 chest strap is deemed as one of the best for heart rate measurements, especially during exercise. Um, it is more accurate than some of the scientific equipment out there. So I got myself one of those. And so I used it for two things. Number one is measuring my cardio. And they define five zones, right? Zone one is basically just active. You're walking around. Zone two is then going to be, um, you know, when you're doing cardio, but you can still have a conversation, all right? It's not that extensive. And then zone three is considered medium intensity. Zone four and five are considered high intensity. So when you're doing sprints, you're in zone four and five. When you're doing like a very uh, strong jog that you can basically speak in, in bursts and sentences, that's going to be your zone three. And then zone two is where you can speak in paragraphs. You can have a conversation with someone while you're running. So using the Polar H10 strap and the app, I've now got a, a method of cardio where four days a week, I will do at least 30 minutes in zone two. And I can combine it together with all kinds of things. I can, you know, watch TV. I can get on a call with someone at the same time. So it's really great. Once a week, you know, 10% of the time, one in every five, I will push it either to medium intensity or high intensity. So on the Saturdays, I usually either go downstairs and I run on the treadmill and I'll do sprint intervals and I'll just fluctuate between four and five. You know, I'll, I'll push up to five and then I'll rest until my heart rate goes to the bottom of four, maybe the top of three, and then I'll push it up again. Or I'll just try and stay in zone two consistently and just try and watch my performance, watch my heart rate, see how I adapt to that type of stuff. So that's the first way that I use the Polar H10 strap. And I'm measuring, huh, what can I do? And it's quite interesting. It's also the reason why they don't recommend cardio for fat loss is the idea that you adapt very quickly. So what I found was that the amount of work that I needed to do to get my heart rate to, let's say, zone two, zone three, zone four and five, in the beginning, it was very little effort to get my heart rate there because my heart rate wasn't used to this type of work. And very quickly, I saw the amount of effort that I needed to put in to just maintain a zone two. I was like pushing a lot, a lot more. So there's no doubt in my mind that I've made progress and that that adaptation has occurred. The second interesting thing that I use the heart rate monitor for is there's an app out there called Elite HRV. And I was using the heart rate uh, monitor, um, the Polar H10 chest strap, to measure heart rate variability in the morning to determine how prepared I was for exercise or how much rest recovery I needed. And it's still one of my favorite heart rate variability measurements, not just because it gives you a, a particular score, because it tells you how much parasympathetic or rest and digest um, you are in or sympathetic you're in the um, fight or flight response. And so that tells me if you're overly sympathetic, that means that, okay, it's time to um, do some breath work, do some gentle 
relaxation kind of exercises, some stretching. And if you're parasympathetic, it's the idea of your body is still healing from the previous um, the previous day's activities. And that's pretty good. I like that. So, you know, giving the body some time to recover. So that really started helping my recovery instead of just going by feeling like, oh, I feel sore. I feel like I need to take a break today. Well, now I've got measurements. I still will you know, decide on a, on a whim. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to exercise today. I don't, I don't feel like it, but I'll very much take that HRV reading into account. And as a result, my capacity has increased a lot, a lot. So those are the two ways that I used it. And so I wanted to touch on another topic here, which is this very simple idea that motivation and discipline doesn't exist if you harmonize well. So the very simple point is, Let's take Goldilocks as an example. If you have motivation and discipline and you try the food that's too cold, you can force yourself to eat that food that's too cold. Likewise, you could force yourself and stay motivated and hype yourself up to eat the food that's too hot and see it as some kind of like grind, trial, you know, get out there and just go push, push, push. But the idea is that if you do that all the time, yes, there is... um, you know, there is benefit to doing this. But if you do that all the time, you're going to find yourself expending a lot of your energy on stuff that you don't really harmonize with. So finding those practices that are going to be common things for you that you can just then um, do effortlessly. And effortlessly being you means you don't need discipline to do it because, number one, you have found a way to enjoy the actual action. Not just the results of doing cardio are going to be great in the long term, but you enjoy the results in the short term and you enjoy the action of participating in that activity. So now I do enjoy cardio because I get a, a bit of a flush from that cardio. I'll put on you know, DVDs or something like that while I'm doing that cardio. So I look forward to it to just like let my brain disconnect. So there's no motivation needed for me to do it. It's something that I'm, there's, there's no barrier to entry. There's no resistance in me to stop me from doing it. And I enjoy a lot of the results in the short term you better sleep. Um, I, I just feel better. I feel like I have more energy. And then in the long term, there's no doubt that it is also um, having an effect on me. So the idea is that harmony, taking time to explore options that are easy to stick to, that don't have any barriers between you and doing the action, is worthwhile, especially for something as important as looking after yourself. So this comes back, of course, to behavior change, you know, having prompts and barriers and motivation. And the idea is that there's a time of day that I do this. Um, I watch, you know, I watch videos when I do this. So it's reducing the barriers to entry. The prompt is a particular time of day. I usually do it after I've fed the dogs in the evening. And so it's almost like attached to that particular habit as well. And what was interesting as well is I started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu this year. Now, I'm turning 41 this year, so please remember that. And this is the first year that I've started doing regular cardio. And I'm rolling with guys who are in their 20s easily. Um, You know, guys that have done wrestling and things like that. And I'm able to either keep pace or outpace them with regard to the endurance. Right? Let's not talk about getting tapped all the time because that happens. Let's, Let's not try and you know, pretend I'm some kind of like gift to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> but definitely, definitely saw the results there. And that, I think, was one of the, the biggest things that put a smile on my face and made me feel proud and accomplished. 
I didn't need anyone to tell me. I just saw a result. They thought it was normal for me to be like that, but I knew that it, it was absolutely a result of what I was doing. So what if you can't afford a chest strap, don't have some way to measure or anything like that? Well, there are bootstrap solutions, simple solutions that you don't need other things for. And so this is a, a solution-based thing on a problem. Okay, cool. So what's the problem? Well, what do I do for cardio? Okay, well, very simply put, go out for a jog and call someone and have a conversation with them on the phone while you're jogging. You will know if you're going too fast because you won't be able to talk to them. You'll start getting out of breath. So slow down. You'll also know, um, you know, while you're talking to them, you'll be able to feel how steady you are and watching your pace and observing your pace. So, you know, finding a buddy, making it more social, these are also options for you. And the idea there is that that conversational cardio is going to be the biggest fit. And then saying 10% of the time, doing... Um, five kilometer runs, let's say. So um, one in every five workouts you do, sorry, let's let's try that again. Uh, once a week or one in every five workouts, you alternate between either doing a five kilometer run, which is going to be a steady, let's say 20, 30 minutes at a good pace. It's going to be less than a sprint. It's going to be a very strong pace. So trying that out once, once every five workouts and then alternating once every other five workouts, you do sprint sets. And of course, you can go to any of the kind of these high intensity interval training, sprinting type of things that you've seen before. Um, and that'll just mean that you're putting yourself in a place to win because the conversational cardio really builds up your foundation. I'm not the person to go into with all the, the medical reasons why and all the you know changes in your body physiologically. You can look up doctors for that type of stuff. Uh, you can see the show notes as well below for any of the other stuff that I've mentioned. But the idea is that that conversational cardio is really what the base is. And you're going to see such a change because it really changes the mitochondria and how the mitochondria interact with energy systems in the body makes it a lot easier, more efficient, and your heart rate is going to adapt to a higher threshold of work, which is really good for you as well. So the summary of the models used today is the idea of if you could not harmonize, you know, finding harmony, you need to find that effortless connection what is an effortless thing that you could do and it's just about finding that there's always an option out there that harmonizes well with you and so it's this idea of don't go for brute force solutions yes you do need discipline yes you do need motivation yes i have a problem with people who over rely on that because you're honestly not investing the time and energy to investigate and explore options out there so you can find an elegant solution to your problem so the elegant solution is the one that you effortlessly connect with. And that's what I'm talking about now. And some of the markers of that are, do I enjoy it? Do I enjoy doing the thing? Yes, I enjoy the cardio that I'm doing right now. I've investigated two other types of cardio this year and I didn't enjoy doing them. And this one, I enjoy doing it. Is it beneficial after the fact? Absolutely. I sleep like a rock. My heart rate variability is really good after I've done this. Is it beneficial in the long term? Absolutely as well, 100%. You know, like there are other doctors out there who recommend it as a, as a way to really adapt to long-term changes as well. So again, I also measure this based on my three metrics, which I've talked about previously, which is number one, a binary metric, yes or no. Did you do it? Yes, I did. 
Okay. And so just asking myself every week, did I do at least three sessions a week? Yes, I did. Okay. What was the quality of these sessions? Uh, scale of one to 10. And it's usually very high. It's usually like an eight or a nine easily. And then how do I feel about it? Did I enjoy it? Did I, did I hate it? You know, what was my emotional quality content? And, and it's always something that I, I do enjoy. I do always enjoy that flush feeling that kicks in about three minutes in. You know, it's really nice. So, yes. So, this was the very simple uh, podcast about cardio and the unhealthy attitudes to cardio. So, if you enjoyed it, please subscribe to the Substack. There is a link below. And the reason why is because before the episodes are released, I'm going to invite you to interact with me. I'm going to invite you to kind of uh, interact on any content that's created as well. And so you can have much more of a, a, a say in what is created. Plus, there are other types of media that I will be releasing, uh, videos, written articles, etc. And the Substack is the best way to stay connected because you won't see those updates by just being on iTunes or Spotify. Plus, if I upload other things that I want to give away to people, um, Substack is going to be the place to see it, not on a podcast platform, unfortunately. So just after this episode, I will actually send out an email. Um, so if you're subscribed to the Substack, you will get it. That has links with other episodes that I've previously made that will help you if this is something that you're dealing with at this point in time the uh, program of trying to change things and stick to your goals and how you need to create um, four different um, programs in your mind for that. That's it for me. I have been Justin and you've been listening to Thought Architecture. Have a wonderful day.